Welcome to the Holmes Politicast today. Hope you're having an amazing day. It's nice here where I'm at. Um, the weather's starting to get a little warmer. Sun's out. Hopefully, wherever you are, whenever you are listening to this, you're having a great day as well. Oh, there are many things to talk about this week. Oh, my goodness. This has been a full week, and it's not even done yet. First, I want <laughs> I have some serious topics and then some more interesting or even somewhat silly topics because they're about culture and things like that that are just ridiculous. But um, I wanted to talk just real quick uh, about um, Biden's America, a hundred, a little over a hundred days in. Um, what you didn't hear at the joint session of Congress, which is probably a good thing, um, of where we're at right now. <clears throat> so we started off this week with a weak job growth numbers. They were much um, smaller than we were anticipating. And I say we, meaning the government or I, I, don't know, I guess it's the government. Um but I guess the pundits and everybody. Anyway, it was a very weak's job, jobs number. No, it was a very weak jobs number. Uh, fell much shorter than they anticipated. So that was a real disappointment. Uh, I think it was on Monday that that came out. Um, they were expecting millions of new jobs, and instead they just got, you know, hundreds of thousands of new jobs, which I mean isn't horrible, but when we're so far, far in the hole and the anticipation was so great, that's a really weak jobs number. So therefore the stock market dipped tremendously the last couple of days on this news, which is just unfortunate. Um, I don't know how they come about uh, predicting jobs numbers, like our job growth, because I don't know why they thought that we'd have millions of new jobs. I'm not, I'm not saying that, I didn't think that because I, I really don't know. I have no opinion. I don't know how to monitor those things. I'm just saying I'm not sure why the government and these economic experts, I guess you'd call them, all expected job growth in the millions. I, I don't know how they how they calculate that. But however it was, it was a disappointment to everybody on on all stations. I mean, even even the liberal stations like CNN and MSNBC. We're talking about how disappointing the jobs numbers were. So, so apparently, um, it's not just a Republican talking point. You know, this seems like everybody is concerned about the, the weak jobs numbers. Um, obviously, also, we have uh, the violence in the Middle East between uh, Palestine and Israel. It's probably more Hamas than the Palestinian people. It's more there that terror group, I, I imagine. Uh, but I mean, that's, it's just unfortunate, regardless of which side you support, uh, it's just horrible. The violence is just horrible. And a lot of innocent people, of course, get hurt in this that don't really have uh, any political feelings. And some of them don't even have any, any real, real uh, opinion. Uh, as far as as far as that goes, but they're being hurt by it, and it's just any kind of violence is just unfortunate. 
whichever side started it, uh, you know, that's up to you to decide. But it's just an unfortunate situation. Uh, it's just it's just horrible. And so I guess I guess I read I read earlier that I guess Biden is sending an envoy who's an expert, they say, in Middle Eastern um, issues to try to de-escalate the violence. I'm hoping it's not Jared Kushner. I hope that's not the expert that they <laughs> that he's sending over there because <laughs> Kushner didn't really do much for the Middle East. I know he had a plan, allegedly, a Middle East peace plan, but um, but hey, I mean, if it works, I guess I don't care. But, um, but yeah, I I don't I I, I don't know enough about what's going on to to have an opinion as to who's right or who's wrong. I kind of have my my suspicions, my guesses, but I don't know enough about it to come on here and tell you what I think is going on because it's just an opinion, and I have to study it out more before I can tell you what I think and try to influence you. So I would just encourage you to read up on it and find out what's going on and try to read a little bit. Don't read just one side. I mean, because obviously pro-Palestinian groups are going to make it sound like the Palestinians are just this, these horrible victims of, of Israel and, and vice versa. The pro-Israel group will say that the Palestinians are just violent terrorists and, and Israel is just defending itself. I imagine there's a little bit of both of this. There's been hostilities for years. So I doubt I doubt Israel is just going along peacefully and Hamas did this. I mean, I'm sure Israel's done some things that weren't right. Hamas has done some things that weren't right. You know, so it's much larger than just, you know, one incident. It didn't happen in a vacuum is what I'm saying. So you really need to study up on the whole history to figure out where you stand on this, not just what you hear from the corporate media because they will try to determine what you believe or how you think about this. So um, like I said, I have my own views, but I won't get into that right now. Um, I need to study up more. I need to take my own advice and study up more before I come to a firm conclusion. So anyway, but that's, it's just the last thing we need right now when we're going, dealing with an ongoing pandemic, we're trying to open up the economy. Uh, you know, there's just now there's more tension over there. Uh, we have skyrocketing inflation, which is it's going up tremendously. I think it's up four percent. I think I heard earlier today and rising. Uh, this is just unconscionable. People already because of the of um the pandemic and the lockdowns, people don't have a lot of money. And in many states, like in Montana and Mississippi, they're cutting out the federal unemployment for for people. I'm, I'm not going to take a position on whether they should have the unemployment. The point is our federal government has issued it to them and the states are not allowing them to have it. And then on top of that now, inflation's going up. We already don't have much purchasing power as it is. Wages haven't been raised in years. The people who are working aren't making that much money anymore. And then now prices are going up, which means, you know, now 
we really are going to have situations where people are going to have to make decisions about whether they can pay for their you know, rent or whether they can pay for the medications or whether they're going to be able to buy groceries. You know, are they going to have to live off SpaghettiOs for a month? Are they going to, you know, ramen noodles and SpaghettiOs or, you know, or are they going to be able to buy meat and other things? Uh, because that's going to be way too expensive. You've only got a certain amount of money to spend. Um, you know, and the federal judge just issued a moratorium that, or uh, issued an order that they cannot have that moratorium on evictions. So, uh, because before a judge said you can't evict somebody during this pandemic because people aren't able to work. And now a judge says, no, landlords can't evict you if you're not paying your rent. So now we're going to have more problems. Homeless, homelessness is going to rise. These people are going to have a hard time getting work because they don't have a permanent address. Um, you know, it's just it's just an absolute mess right now with this inflation. And then we had um, the hacking of this pipeline, which has put it offline. So now North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, Georgia, Florida, there are gas shortages. There are gas lines. Uh, there are people lined up, you know, four or five hours to get gasoline and it's first come first serve. As soon as that gasoline runs out, there's no more gasoline. So, um, you know, you're having like the toilet paper shortage, except on steroids now, because, um, you know, people rely on gasoline to go to work and other things. So if you're in line for four hours and they run out of gas, you don't know when they're going to have gasoline again. How are you going to get to work? How are you going to get anywhere? You know, to get to your jobs. How are you going to go, you know, if you don't live in the city, how are you going to go get to do your grocery shopping? So now we, you know, and that, and that is going to spread over the United States. If this is not curtailed quickly, it's going to, it's going to trickle across the entire United States where pretty soon there's going to be gas shortages all over. Now, hopefully I, I, I from what I understand, the, uh, the company is paying the ransomware. So we should start getting those pipelines back online, but they can only um, put oil through those pipelines about five miles, or five, what is it? Five miles an hour. That's what it is, I'm trying to say. Because, you know, you can't have any sparks or friction created in those pipelines because it would cause them to explode. So five miles an hour is not very quick to get gasoline across the United States. So since they've been offline, it's still going to take some time, even if they get them online today, it's still going to be a few days before gasoline starts getting to the refineries and, you know, and, uh, and onto, onto semi trucks and sent out across the U S. So we're likely going to have some, some real gas shortages all over, the United States. I mean, so this is, uh, you know, and this is on top of the border crisis and, you know, um, just the many other crises facing the United States right now. And we're not even talking about a lot of foreign policy. We're talking a little bit about the Middle East, but we're not talking about Iran. We're not talking about Russia. We're not talking about China, which is 
out of control. I mean, we still have repercussions from the trade war. I don't really know if Biden has reversed that trade war that we were having with Trump. I haven't heard anything about that. I don't know if we're continuing the trade war that Trump started or if he's if he's eased the tariffs on China. But regardless, there's still ongoing tensions because of that. And I mean, we're, we're a little over 100 days in and suddenly it seems like everything is falling apart. So we, we're we're in some real. We're really facing some challenges right now. And I don't know how this is going to play out or how quickly. Um, you know, we could be facing a situation that makes the year 2020 look like, you know, 1984. Uh, I say 1984 um, because 1984 was the year that Reagan was reelected by every state except Minnesota. You know, he was insanely popular. The economy was booming. Jobs were everywhere. I mean, it was just it was an amazing time. Reagan put out the ad, it's morning in America again, you know, America's back. It's, you know, um, we probably had the greatest economy in history in 1984. Uh, the period of 1984 through probably 1989 was one of the best economies we've ever seen. So that's what I'm saying. It's going to make 2020 look like 1984. Because it seems like we're in for a huge mess and and if things aren't taken care of very quickly we could enter a, another depression so anyway i just i mean this is a report card in biden's america f right now in f so hopefully he can bring that up to at least a d minus by next month but uh we'll see a little bit closer to home here in Michigan, the AP is reporting that Whitmer threatens profit seizure if pipeline keeps operating. Uh, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer threatened Tuesday to go after Enbridge's profits from a Great Lakes oil pipeline if the company defies her order to shut it down. The Democratic governor issued the warning in a letter to the Canadian Energy Transport Company on the eve of a state-imposed deadline to halt operation of Line 5, which moves oil through the northern Wisconsin and Michigan to refineries in, Ontor in Ontario. Enbridge repeated its intention to defy Whitmer's demands. A nearly four-mile-long section of Line 5 divides into two pipes that cross the bottom of the Straits of Mackinac, which connects Lake Michigan and Lake Huron. Whitmer, backed by environmentalists and native tribes, say the segment is vulnerable to a catastrophic spill in the cold, swirling channel. She revoked an easement last November that Michigan had granted in 1953 for the pipes to occupy the lake bottom and ordered them closed by May 12th. Enbridge insists the segment is in good condition and says its loss would cause economic damage in both countries, a position shared by the Canadian government, which filed a legal brief Tuesday in support of the company. In her letter to Vern Yu, 
Enbridge's Executive Vice President for Liquids Pipelines. Whitmer said continued operation of the line after Wednesday constitutes an intentional trespass and the company would do so at its own risk. Enbridge argues that the state has no authority to order the shutdown because the federal pipeline and hazardous materials safety administration oversees interstate pipelines. We will not stop operating that pipeline unless we are ordered by a court or our regulator, which we view as highly unlikely, spokesman Ryan Duffy said. Line 5 is operating safely, reliably, and is in compliance with the law. Michigan Attorney General Dana Wessel filed a lawsuit last fall in support of Whitmer's order, while Enbridge countersued in federal court and wants the matter decided there. A federal judge is considering which court should have jurisdiction. Uh, Nestle's office said it will continue seeking a shutdown order. Although U.S. District Judge Janet Neff has ordered mediation, the latest developments suggest the two sides remain deeply entrenched. And the article goes on, just the back and forth. Uh, but it seems to me that Whitmer is wrong here. That um, this would, because it's regulated by the federal government, it seems like the federal government would be the only one who can shut them down. It doesn't seem like Whitmer has any kind of authority to do so. And I would think that if the judge is basing it on the law, that the judge will uphold that and say that, Whitmer cannot shut down that pipeline. He certainly cannot seize seize profits from the pipeline. I don't know how she's going to do that. I mean, she planned to send the state the state police and the National Guard in and take their money. Like I don't. It's not like the money's being transferred over the profit pipeline. So I'm not sure how she would take that money. But anyway, yeah, that's uh, that's my thought on that. But you can read the article. It's in the AP. It's by, by John Flesher and Anna Liz Nichols. Um, <clears throat> this story here is uh, from the Hill. Oh, I just think this is this is quite interesting. Um, you know, they they want to make a big deal about this guy being a Trump supporter, but really, I think it's kind of interesting. If you ever seen the movie. Um, uh, Catch Me If You Can with Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks about this guy who pretends to be an airline pilot um, and and other things. Uh, he became, it's based on a true story. He was a great forager and uh, pretender. And that's what I think is kind of interesting about this article. It says, Students for Trump co-founder gets over a year in prison for posing as a lawyer. I thought this just, this takes some guts, this guy. John Lambert, one of the co-founders behind Students for Trump, has been sentenced to more than a year behind bars for masquerading as a lawyer. According to the New York Daily News, the 25-year-old was handed a 13-month prison sentence after posing as a lawyer named Eric Pope, who is based in Manhattan. Lambert reportedly, <laughs> reportedly lied about graduating from New York University Law School and the University of Pennsylvania, where he claimed to have received a degree in finance, as well as having more than a decade of experience working in law. Over the course of several years, he also managed to get actual clients searching for legal advice through Upwork, 
Between 2016 and 2018, he allegedly raked in more than $46,000 with the scheme. In court, Lambert's attorney, Gary Peters, not to be confused with our state's our representative senator, claimed he had been inspired by the fictional television show Suits, according to Daily News. Um, the judge reportedly pointed to Lambert's actions after he helped co-found Students for Trump years back, which included speaking publicly to the media on multiple occasions. Um, let's see. Lambert founded Students for Trump in 2015, along with Ryan Fournier, who Peters reportedly said also had involvement in Lambert's criminal dealings. The pro-Trump student organization drew attention during Trump's 2016 presidential campaign and was later acquired by Turning Point Action roughly two years ago. I know who Ryan Fournier is. I follow him on Twitter. I've I've seen this guy before. This I remember hearing about Eric Pope. I didn't realize that until I read the article. This was the same guy. I remember hearing about Eric Pope, but I think it's just it's just funny. I mean, this it, that's quite a thing. I mean, it, it, for over two years to be able to keep this charade up is just amazing. I mean, uh, I I mean, if it I don't know. It takes some guts. I. I I, I'm not saying the guy shouldn't be punished, but I kind of admire the guts of this guy to, you know, to claim he has a law degree and from two different universities and has over 10 years worth of experience working on the in the law. I mean, it's just that's that's pretty amazing. Um, this one uh, has nothing to do with us at all, but I just. <laughs> um, um, it, it just, I just found it really interesting. It's also from the Hill. Um, and I, I can't imagine this guy's going to go very far politically, but you know, you never know. Um, the article headline reads Philadelphia DA candidate addresses woman found dead in his home. I mean, anytime a candidate has that headline written about them, it's not a good sign. Um, a Philadelphia district attorney candidate on his campaign website is addressing the death of a woman whose body was found in his home. Charles Peruto Jr.'s website features multiple sections, including ones titled Black Lives Matter, the opioid crisis, and on his About Me page, The Girl in My Bathtub. The lengthy section details the incident involving an ex-girlfriend who was found dead in his bathtub. There shouldn't have been a section for this at anyone's campaign site, but because some people will not let this go away, I must address it, he begins with the statement. Peruto goes on to explain that he was out of town when the incident occurred, which he claims can be corroborated by cell phone records. The evening before, I was actually texting with her, which the pings corroborate as well, he writes. I was with several people who all gave statements and testified. He also states that so many empty vodka bottles were found it looked like there was a party in my house. Uh, but inspection of the security video of people entering and leaving showed only her. Her blood alcohol content was 0.45% at the time of her death. The legal limit in Pennsylvania is 0.08%. Peruto then details a feud with the political rival he claims tried to implicate him in the crime. The long story short is that I was not her only boyfriend but it was my apartment where she expired. If it was another boyfriend's apartment, 
you would never have heard of this case, he says. He concludes the statement by writing, This is my complete explanation for the darkest moment of my life. Peruto notes that he felt compelled to address the situation because it continues to follow him throughout his political career. Many times, qualified people won't get into politics because silly things in their background will come up that they have no control over, he added. Um, the Daily Beast noted that in the time of her death, the woman was 26 years old and had been a paralegal in 66-year-old Peruto's law office. I mean, I can sympathize with the guy. It is possible. I mean, that there are things that happen that you have no control over that look really bad. But uh, that is just, I'm not saying he needs to drop out, but I'm just saying that's not a good omen. I mean, when you have to address the rumors about a, a dead woman found in your house. Um, yeah, I just it, just, it just made me laugh. I just thought, man, this is, if this guy gets elected, that's, you know, he's going to have to be a really good candidate or the candidate against him is going to have to be, you know, he's have to be found, you know, you know, it should be like Jeff, Jeffrey Epstein's, uh, you know, favorite client, best client or something. I mean, it's going to have to, he's going to have to have a horrible reputation, but we'll see here. Um, let's see. Uh, we still have a little bit of time here. Things are going a little bit faster than I anticipated. Um, here, the Guardian actually makes a really ridiculous headline. I mean, it's, it's, they're mocking it. But, you know, um, here, here is the article. It's from The Guardian U.S. Um, in the latest celebrity attempt to prove they had it just as hard as normal people in the pandemic, actress Gwyneth Paltrow has m admitted she was driven to extremes during the quarantine. Things got dark. She admitted to drinking as many as two cocktails a night during the lockdown and even sometimes ate bread and pasta. The headline, of course, reads, um, Gwyneth Paltrow broke down and ate bread during the quarantine. How did you surprise yourself? Uh, again, there are so many things about this article. A part of it has to do with celebrity culture that we have. Part of it has to do with being tone deaf, of being so far in your ivory castles, ivory towers that you don't realize. This is like what the average person goes through. This is like Marie Antoinette and her, when she was told that the people were starving, they didn't have bread. She said, well, well if they don't have bread, let them eat cake. You know, she didn't understand that people had no food because to her, there's always food. You know, she was rich. She was royalty. If, you know, if she doesn't have bread, just eat cake. Um, cake is a little different back then than what we would consider cake today. Uh, cake was more like biscuits and, you know, stuff like that. So, so if you don't have bread, a loaf of bread, then just eat biscuits, you know, with your meal. Um, so, uh, but it, it, you know, and that's kind of what Gwyneth Paltrow is like here. She doesn't understand that real people suffered real things. She had to eat bread. She, she was so upset she had to have two cocktails. 
I guess the Sefer Dister one. Um, okay, let's talk about that first. That it's a celebrity culture that why she would even feel like she has to release a statement to tell people this, number one, it just goes to show the privilege, the celebrity privilege that we have in this country. That celebrities feel like they are indispensable and that are so important that all of America is just wanting to know how did Gwyneth Paltrow handle the pandemic? I mean, who cares what me and my family go through? I want to know what celebrities went through. I'm really concerned about celebrities. Did they fare okay? Did they survive? How, how did they live? Please tell me that they made it through this pandemic all right. Well, let me ease your fears, my people. She releases a statement to let you know that I, I suffered. You know, I had to have two cocktails. I had to eat bread, which I don't, I don't prefer to eat. Um, I'm on this vegan kind of diet, healthy diet, and that has too many calories. But I broke down and actually ate some bread. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that she's so tone deaf that she doesn't realize that this is unconscionable, that the biggest struggle she had was that she had to eat some bread and drink two cocktails. Um, that, that uh, you know, her publicist did step in at some point and say, this is not a good idea, Gwyneth. This is not a good idea. Um, you really need to just not say anything. I mean, maybe if you were asked on an interview, maybe then, but even then I would avoid talking about your so-called struggles because to the average person, that's not a struggle. And then third, it's, it's, it, again, it, it's, it's not understanding. People couldn't see their family who was dying. They were separated from people. They could only see their parents or grandparents through a window. They couldn't hug them. As people died, they couldn't hold their hand and be with their family members. They couldn't go to their funerals. People lost their jobs. People would have given almost anything for that piece of bread that she grudgingly ate because they didn't have food for their children or for themselves. People missed out on graduations and proms and weddings, family members and friends got married and we weren't able to be there for their happy day because of the pandemic, because we were told we weren't allowed to go out and do these things. And so these celebrities, Ellen DeGeneres complaining about being in prison, being locked up in prison in her house, which is like 28 bedrooms. It's got an indoor pool. It's got a rec room with big screen TVs and air conditioning and, and all this, but, oh, it's like being in prison. I can't handle it. It's just horrible being stuck in my house. I can't go anywhere. I can't do anything. 
you have all of this, you know, as I talked about earlier, people are being forced out of their homes because they can't pay their rent or, you know, homes, meaning their place they live, their apartments, their trailers, their home, their, their houses, because they can't pay their rent because they, they lost their jobs because of the pandemic. And, oh my God, she had to eat bread. She was forced to eat bread, which she doesn't like to eat. And she's opposed to eating, but she had to eat some bread. I, I, I just, I was hoping that the one silver lining from this pandemic would be that suddenly we realize that we don't need celebrities in this country. We can survive without them. When they weren't making movies and things, you know what? You know, everyone, I, I kept reading people who say that, oh, this just proved that celebrities were, you know, because celebrities, movies and music and stuff got us through the pandemic. Um, they weren't releasing new music. They weren't releasing new movies. Yeah, old movies got us through the pandemic. Nobody, you know, who cares about Gwyneth Paltrow and Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt? They weren't releasing anything new. People were watching things that had already been made years ago. So it just proves that we don't need all this new entertainment. I mean, we can just survive over after watching, you know, old MGM movies and movies from the from every decade, you know, from the 30s until, you know, 2019, we could survive on just the music and things. We don't need to know what Kim Kardashian is doing. You know, we didn't we didn't miss keeping up with the Kardashians. We didn't miss Duck Dynasty or any of these reality shows. You watched old TV shows. You were watching, you know, your favorite old TV shows that were in reruns or whatever if you wanted to get through the day you weren't you know it's not like it, it's not like these celebrities are putting on private viewings all day to keep people entertained during the pandemic you know they were sacrificing their time and things to make sure people were entertained no people just watched netflix and and watched old movies and tv shows and things listened to old music um you know Celebrities are pointless. I mean, yeah, maybe art isn't pointless. Maybe a movie isn't pointless, but celebrities are pointless. Nobody cares. Nobody missed Ellen. You know, I'm talking about the the, the so-called actress, comedian. Uh, no, nobody missed her. Nobody was like, oh, my God, I, I miss Ellen. I, I, I can't live without knowing what Ellen's thinking and seeing and doing. Nobody cared. We were going on with our lives. You know, people cared because they couldn't go to church. People cared they couldn't see the grandma. People cared that, you know... They had to miss Thanksgiving and Halloween and Christmas with their families. Nobody was saying, man, I'm just so upset because I haven't heard from Ellen in two weeks. I haven't heard anything about her. I haven't got my Ellen fix. Nobody cared. So I just, it just, it's bothered me, this whole celebrity culture thing, the celebrity privilege. And I will use that word privilege because celebrities do have privilege. They get away with everything. You know, a celebrity, you know. Oh, I'm not even going to get into that. But a celebrity, you know, they, they can do whatever they want. They they feel like they can do whatever they want. These politicians are celebrities and movie stars are celebrities. And they don't follow the rules that everybody else has to follow. You know, um, you know, during the pandemic, we were all told we couldn't, we couldn't gather and all this. But yet I kept seeing TikTok videos with celebrities hanging out with their friends and sometimes wearing masks, sometimes not. You know, and yet nothing, nothing was happening to them. You know, Cuomo having his whole family over for Thanksgiving, Governor Newsom and 
California going out to parties, you know, when everyone else was on lockdown. I mean, you know, it's just the celebrity privilege has just always bothered me. You know, um, the fact that people like OJ Simpson got the vaccine before anybody else could because, you know, he's a celebrity. So he has to get his vaccine right away. Like, why do celebrities have to get vaccines? I can understand the continuity in government, the president, the vice president, and all that. But why on earth was Kim Kardashian getting her her, her uh, vaccine before? Why did Tom Hanks get a vaccine right away? First of all, he'd already had coronavirus, so he shouldn't have even been in line. Um, you know, but they were getting their vaccine when there was only a few out there. And they were supposed to be going for the first responders and the nurses and and doctors. And, and the elderly and things like that. And yet we're having all these celebrities showing that I got my vaccine, you know, like I just don't understand that at all. So I've been a, I've not been a fan of that for a long time, but anyway, it's just the whole celebrity culture thing has bothered me. And then like this, you know, they release these statements telling us who they voted for, you know, telling us, that they got vaccinated, telling us, you know, updating us on what is going on in their uh, in their lives, who they're dating, you know, what restaurants they're going to, you know, what what designer they're wearing at the red carpet, you know, they 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 want to talk about everything as if as if all of the nation and the world is just waiting with bated breath to know what is going on in their life. And the truth is we don't care. Sometimes people pay attention to it because they're bored. Um, sometimes you just come across it. Like I happen to know what a lot of celebrities are doing, not because I really care, but as I'm scrolling through news articles, many times I'll see, you know, Jennifer Lopez broke up with this guy or she's dating this person or Tom Cruise is, was seen on the street with this person or Tom Hanks says he's voting for Biden or, you know, Whatever. I mean, I just see it. It's not that I'm looking for it, not that I care. It's just that as I'm scrolling through, I see headlines. And so, and because I can usually retain information pretty well, I remember it later. If someone, if someone mentions something about Tom Hanks, I immediately remember, oh yeah, he's that guy who voted for Biden. Or, you know, they say Jennifer Lopez. Oh yeah, she just broke up with her boyfriend recently. You know, I think to myself because it just conjures up in a memory immediately of something I had, I had seen but i don't care my life would not be any worse off if i had no idea what was going on in any of the celebrities lives in fact my life might actually be better because as you can tell i get rather worked up about these things i just i just can't stand it i can't stand being in the grocery aisle uh people with me always get annoyed because i can't not say something i always have to be sarcastic and you know i'll see the headline on there about you know yeah, I, I don't know, you know, how, how, I know I lost 15 pounds and in only 20 days, you know, or whatever. And I'll just be like, who cares? Why does anyone care if you lost weight? Besides you're rich, you have, you have a personal physician and, uh, you know, and you have a, a personal trainer and you have a, a, a chef who can make you, you know, really, you know, can make you food that's really healthy and, and you can afford to buy really healthy food. The rest of us in the real world aren't going to be able to lose 15 pounds in 20 days unless we have a Coke habit or unless we just completely starve ourselves like we're anorexic or bulimic. 
or something, you know, so don't stand up there and brag about how you've lost so much weight, you know, you know, and I, I just, I just go on and they're just like, yeah, okay, Jim. Yeah, we got it. We got it. We got it. You know, um, you know, so I, I just, it just, it just bothers me to no end. And this article, when I saw that headline and I know that the guardian was kind of poking fun at the fact that she felt they need everyone should know, it still bothers me that anybody's even covering it. You know, like uh, it mostly bothers me that she just had that mentality. It just, it just drives me crazy. The, you know, just thinking that anybody cares and thinking that she's so self and she thinks, you know, she, she feels she, she's so self-important, like that everybody needs to know what goes on in her life, what she's thinking, what she's doing, you know, how she handles things as if she is a role model and she's not. In fact, I'm not, I'm sure I've probably seen something that she was in in my entire life, but offhand, I can't think of anything that Gwyneth Paltrow has ever done that I've seen. She, to me, she's just someone who the only reason I know who she is is because I see her name in headlines talking about how important she is. Like, I don't actually know anything that she's, I, I know she's an actress because I've seen or an actress Gwyneth Paltrow, but I honestly don't know if I've ever seen her work. I don't know if I ever have. But even if even if I have, even if I liked her work, that's all she does. I mean, and I have a lot of respect for the acting profession. I mean, I, I was an actor. I'm not a professional actor, but, you know, I do acting sometimes in my spare time and everything, but I know its place. I mean, as an actor... You're just reading lines that somebody else has written for you and just making them sound believable. You memorize lines and make them sound believable. It's not rocket sciences. You're you're not you're not bringing peace to the world. You're not it's you're not brain surgery. You're not saving anyone's life. You're not doing anything of real importance. You're just entertaining people by memorizing lines that somebody else wrote and making them sound believable on stage or on film. You're not this idea that actors are experts in anything is just ridiculous or celebrities or anything. I mean, you know, an actor who's also a writer is a little more impressive, but there's still nothing that special. But an actor who just acts is not anything special at all. You know, they are just a prop like a couch or anything else. They just, you know, they're moved on to a scene, they say the line, boom, cut, we're done. It's not, it, it doesn't take, I'm not saying it doesn't take any skill, but it, it's not anything worth, it's not worth much, um, except for the entertainment value it brings, but their job itself, because they're only one part of a, you know, a movie or a TV show or a stage production. I mean, they're lighting people and they're, sound people and there are directors and there are prop people and there are you know you know all all kinds of things that make the production work it's not one thing it's not you know everything else in the movie sucked but Gwyneth Paltrow was brilliant and therefore it was a good movie no if if everything else in the movie sucks the movie sucked it doesn't matter how great her performance is you know the movie is good because everything working together was good She's only part of an orchestra. She's not 
you know, she's not a soloist. She's part of everything working in unison and in tandem and making something beautiful. But yet these actors walk around like they somehow are the end all of all, you know. It was me. I'm the reason why the world turns. I'm the reason why the sun comes up in the morning. I'm the reason why movies are hits. I'm the reason, you know, like. Anyway, I just, just, okay. My little rant is over, and we're about done with time. Sorry about that little rant. Um, I got it out of my system, so hopefully I won't, I won't bore you with it again. But anyway, hope everyone's doing great. Uh, hope you have a great week, and we'll see you again here next time on the Holmes Podcast. Bye, everyone.